1: because I, I, you know, there are times when I come to you guys and go, I need the group, I need to be here with all of you today. Uh, it's better than me roaming the world by myself. Uh, so we're gonna be with you live for the next hour, talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective. We've got an amazing guest for you. We haven't seen her for a little over, a, I think it's been two months, uh, but we are welcoming back to the show Bonnie Yates, special education attorney. She does a segment uh, for us, that's uh, know your rights because you all have rights, and wherever you are in the world, you have rights, and they're not all the same depending on where you are and and uh, which situation you're in. But you all have rights, um, and and that's something that we have to remind ourselves on a regular basis, right? But Bonnie specifically talks with us about if you are a, a person on the spectrum that is attending school. In the United States, or you are the caregiver or loved one of or parent of someone who is on the spectrum and/or has other sorts of uh, potential learning differences. Um, she always helps us to know what legally is on the books that can help us to be able to help that individual to get the best possible learning experience. So Bonnie's going to be joining us in a little while and excited to welcome her back to be with us because heaven knows it's like, that thing. it's like save yourself, Ileana Manzano, save yourself, right? Um, and it's, you know, it's that time of year where things are coming to a close and this year is extra. Extra, 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 right? Um, because not only have we been in this uh, pandemic mentality and shutdown mentality for well over a year, it's it's literally the second time we're closing out a school year, and it's different. And even though we had it last time, it's extra different this time because the whole, for a lot of us, the whole year was in lockdown. So it's a difficult time. A lot of you are. You know, you've had your IEP, although IEP season was messed up for the second time. And you might have questions about what's happening for extended school year, what's happening next if you have a child who's transitioning, so on and so forth. So Bonnie is going to be back with us. And we've moved her from Mondays to Thursdays. And we're going to see how that works. Uh, But thrilled that she's going to be joining us. And you guys can be sending in questions. We really like questions for her to come in ahead of time. And I did have some questions for her that she's going to address and a, and a really important case that she's going to give us the, the heads up on what's happening with this case and how it might mean things down the road for all of us and all of you. So that'll be a little bit later on in the show. First, we want to remind you that we are live. Today is Thursday, the 27th of May. We are coming into a Memorial Day weekend. It's a three-day weekend coming up. And it for a lot of people, it's the unofficial start to summer. Uh, Summer, of course, as we know, the actual vernal equinox, whatever, I can't even believe I came up with that term just now, uh, out of the recesses of my fifth grade mind. Um, That's not until later, actually, in June. But for a lot of people, Memorial Day to Labor Day is sort of the unofficial, we're in summer mode. Uh, And as I said, you're winding up one thing and moving to the next, and change can be hard. And change can be hard for individuals who are on the autism spectrum. So we're here. Um, Hopefully, you know, if you have questions, you can write in. So we're live and uh, we're live in a bunch of different places. Savannah, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Savannah. Uh, I would sing, but that would not be a present for you. But wishing you big hugs and happy birthday. Uh, That's lovely. Uh, so, and that's a perfect example of what you can do. You write into the show. If you are watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or on our homepage, uh, I'll tell you how to do it on our homepage, but if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, you can just write in directly on that platform. Christina, good morning. Uh, so glad that you are here. And, uh, that's how we do it. You guys, you just write in Parker's in the house. Woot, woot, right. We're glad that you're here, Parker. Uh, Now, if you are watching uh, us on autism-live.com, there is a comment place at the bottom, we call it the chat, but it's not interactive, and I want to make sure that you guys know that I don't have the ability to respond back to you any other way, even now on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, there is a way now that I can type something back. Um, I'm not good at that, but I can do it. On our homepage, we're not able to do that, so just know it's only one way. It's actually faster if you do it on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. But I do want to tell you that if if you're watching and you're watching recorded, because really the more of you watch us recorded than live, Um, and I want to let you know that you're a part of our family too, and you can still ask questions, and I do recommend going to autism-live.com and putting your question in the chat there, because I will pick those up, and usually what I do is I bring them to the next Ask Dr. Doreen. And be persistent. We don't ever get through all of the questions that we have anymore because more and more of you are watching, and that's fabulous. We are the number one rated podcast worldwide having to deal with autism. And that's because of you and because more of you are watching. But be persistent. I try to be mindful. And if I see that you've asked a question and we didn't get to it and you asked it again, I try to bump it right up to the top. Um, And if I'm not doing that, if I'm missing your question, please feel free to say, Shannon, you're ignoring my question and I will hop to right i will pay attention uh, there are not you know there are times when no matter what we do we can't get to all of them but we, we try to be mindful and do the best that we can okay uh so i mentioned we are a podcast you can get us we're a free download wherever you get your podcasts i encourage you to check that out i encourage you to like us friend us review us follow us uh subscribe all of those words whatever makes sense ganja hello so glad you're in the house Okay, so there's all of that. I also like to remind you on um, Mondays and Thursdays, especially when we have time, that we have lots of experts who are here on the show. Please remember that I'm not one of them. I am not an autism expert. uh, What I am is a parent, a very grateful, grateful parent of a wonderful young man who was about to turn 18 and about to graduate from high school, who was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half. And we got access to really good specific ABA and really good support from the community. And and what I wanna do is help you to get to the support that's important to you. This is not a one size fits all community. It's not even a one size fits most. So we want to make sure that you have an opportunity as an individual to interact with us and say, if you need something specific, um, and we're, I'm sending hugs to everybody. Okay so having said all of that one of the things that we like to do on Thursday and I see that Parker's like so with it he's already uh, checked out what our our jargon is of the day let's uh, it is time my friends for jargon of the day this is when we take on one word one phrase one acronym we try to figure out what in the heck are those experts talking about what does this have to do with me what? what can I do to understand these terms and why do they have to put them in these specific terms? So let's take a look at today's jargon term. Uh, And let me also say too, that first we give you the term and there it is, elopement. Then we give you the actual definition. Often we take that right from a textbook and then um, we make fun of that because often that really is of no use to anyone unless you have 37 letters after your name. And then we give you a working definition, which sometimes is better, sometimes not so much. Um, But the whole point is then we try to put it within context so that you go, at least you'll go, oh, okay, now I know why we're talking about it. Even if you don't understand it um, the first time, you might think, okay, this isn't relevant to me in this moment in time, but it'll still hang there in space. And then later on, when you need it, you'll you'll, you'll be like, wait a second. I think they talked about it on that show with the crazy lady with the crazy hair. And you can come back and find it because we have a whole playlist. That's just jargon. You go to your IEP and somebody says something and you don't have time to say to them, can you, you know, explain that to me. You can go to our uh, playlist and you can see these terms. So today's term is one that is super duper important. This is like, whoo, important and it's it's one of those misnomers because you look at it i know the first time somebody talked to me about elopement and i was like are you saying my child's gonna go to niagara falls and get married like it seems like this fluffy fabulous really you know i picture people standing at the altar in las vegas elopement this is not what we're talking about when we're talking about autism at all in fact it is the complete Opposite. So let's take a look at what our actual definition of elopement is. Probably not going to make fun of it. Elopement is when an individual with cognitive challenges or special needs wanders, runs away from, or leaves a safe environment without notice or permission. Nothing to be made a fun of there, right? Um, and and I think, you know, sometimes when people see our kids do this, um, it's so devastating. It's just, it's just so devastating. And to put this happy little Vegas term elopement on it really isn't helpful sometimes. So we we really got to get a hundred percent clear on this. So this is our actual definition. Let's take it down just one notch further um, and bring it home with our working definition for elopement. It's running away. Right. And I think a lot of people in the world think, Oh, well, I think sometimes they think that kids only run away from their parents if something negative is happening. And that isn't always true uh, because sometimes kids are running away to something, not from something. I think that people have a tendency to think, well, all kids grow out of that. And you just got to watch them. Listen, I know people and I've been to barbecues with people who have one and a half year olds and just set them down in a park and walk away and trust that their kid is not going to leave. And again, I have to go, save yourself, save that kid. I hate those kinds of things because you know what I do the rest of the day is watch that child like a hawk, right? Um, and I and I just like absolutely hate when, when parents just abdicate all responsibility. And I'm talking about, you know, where, wherever your child is, on the spectrum, not on the spectrum, you know? Um, and, and then there are parents who just think, oh, it's an age, it's a day on a calendar that when they turn... Three, now we no longer have to watch them. And to me, this is a recipe for disaster. And for those of us who have and love kiddos on the spectrum, we just don't have, I think it's a bit of a blessing that we, you know, that's just not going to be there for us. We don't get to abdicate and go, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to, in fact, we got to be completely, again, the total opposite we have to set up our lives and our parenting to make sure that our kids are safe. And that may continue to happen into adulthood. And that is hard to like, it feels like I can't breathe, but I don't want you it's possible. And many of our kids get to the point where we don't have to worry about this anymore. And there is a path to that, but it's a long path. It's not something that you take care of in a weekend and it's not something that you just go, well, I think we have it, right? You want to be 100% safe. Because as we said last Friday, this is the time of year when we have to remind all of you that the number one cause of death for individuals on the autism spectrum is drowning as a result of elopement. The number two cause of death or individuals on the autism spectrum is being hit by a car because of elopement. So this is the most serious topic that we can talk about under the sun. But I do want you to know, again, there's all kinds of hope. But where a lot of times we'll say to you, okay, well, you know, good quality ABA. Yeah, I'm still going to say this, but it can't just be that for elopement. You know, it's like a five-pronged thing that you really need to be thinking about with elopement. And and one of them is teaching your child different skills. And that is best done through, you know, with an expert like an ABA, really good quality expert ABA. But, but before we get too far afield, we got to take care of a bunch of different things for the child. We have to begin first at, at ground level. We got to go. And I've said before, years ago, we we would have Dr. Jonathan Tarbox on and he would look at the camera and he would say, you know, if you're a caregiver of uh, a child on the autism spectrum, you know, we know that over 50% of these kids elope and will elope at some point in their childhood. So let's assume that your child is going to do it. And, I, and he would look at the camera and he would say, I want you to imagine that your child has the ability to look up at you with their beautiful eyes and say, I'm going to wait until sometime when you're busy with something else and are looking the other way, and I'm going to run away from you and I'm going to run directly into harm. And that if your child had the ability to say that to you, what would you do? I mean, what wouldn't you do, right? And the thing that he would say to everybody is whatever it is that your answer is about what you would do, do that, do that now, because you need to assume that they will. If over 50% of them, then assume, let's be safe. Let's assume that they're going to do it. So the first thing that you want to do is make your home as safe as possible. And any place that your child is as safe as possible. That means you got to check the locks and put alarms and you have to have a system that, and every house is different. So if you have a pool, you have to make sure that you have, you know, checks and balances to make sure there's a fence and they're always with the fence, there's a gate. And is it an automatic closing thing? Is there alarm that goes off if it doesn't shut? Do you have the thing in your pool that if water is, you put on the alarm and if water is displaced, an alarm goes off. Everybody hates all this and says, people say to me all the time, oh, our alarm was so sensitive that if a leaf fell in it, the alarm would go off. So we turned it off. I get it. I get it. But I have also had the experience of a friend saying, we turned the alarm off. And and fortunately it had a happy ending that they were able to revive her child after they were unconscious at the bottom of the pool. And then they were like, Gee, I think I will put up with the leaf in the pool and our parent, our, you know, our neighbors being mad at us and us being awakened at two o'clock in the morning because a raccoon went in the pool. If that's what you got to trade to know that your kid is safe, do whatever is at your disposal, whatever you can do, everything that you can do. But you have to know that those that's not enough. That you need to be teaching your child how to swim. Um, Every child on the autism spectrum needs to know how to swim, and you need to take them to somebody and say, I want you to teach them how to float with their clothes and their shoes on. They will teach even young babies that when you are face down in the pool, how to turn yourself over and how to float, but you have to do it with shoes on and clothes on because that's how kids fall into bodies of water. Okay, so there's that whole thing, but then we start teaching them how to tell us if you want to run, you know, you all of a sudden remember that they have puppies at the place two, two houses down with the pond in between, we, we need to work on all of the skills to say I want puppies. And to wait for when you, you know, because we can't go look at the puppies right now, but we will go look at them this afternoon, right? So we need to teach all of those things. We need to teach our kids how to handle sensory when they are uncomfortable because we see kids who are in school, something happens that makes them uncomfortable and they run out the closest door. You also need to go to the school and say, what are the systems? You know, we have cases right now of kids who have run out a door at school. It just takes my breath away. So, you know, what would you do if your kid said I was going to do this? I know that for the parents who go through this, they, they re they go back and they re-engineer and go, what should I have done? What could I have done? I'm going to tell you the truth. You can't, you can't possibly do everything. It's impossible to make sure that your kids are a hundred percent safe, a hundred percent of the time but do everything that you can so that as much of the time they are as safe as they possibly can be. If you've really got a runner, there are devices, there are bracelets and um shoe tags and QR codes. And there are all kinds of things that you can attach to a t-shirt or dog tags that, so that if they do go missing and somebody, you know, sees them, you know, and, and is interacting with them and they see that there's, there's one, Uh, There's the company, um, if I need help, you can go to their website and they have a bunch of things that you can put on a t-shirt that that people, kind people will be able to help them. Okay, Um, so that's the elopement talk. I have to do it every spring and I have to do it several times because I want to make sure that people listen and hear. Um, And uh, Pantoja, this is not an old live. We are live right now. Uh, it is Thursday, the 5th, uh, excuse me, the 5th. The, uh, it's May 27th, 2021. We are absolutely live in this moment. Uh, I know it's hard to tell sometimes. That's why I always say the date at the beginning. Uh, and hi, I'm Anvana. I'm, I'm not sure. And hi, Jana. Um, so happy that you're here. And I'm happy that everybody is saying happy birthday to Savannah. Uh, how to ask a question about CASP. I opened it, but I'm unable to ask my question. Um, so, we gave you the website for CASP the other day because we had Lori Unum, who is the CEO of CASP. Um, and so, you should be able to ask them from their website. But if you really can't, if you find that that isn't working, please feel free to send it over to me and we will forward it over to them. And my email is s.penrod at autism live.com. And Traven will probably put that up at some point. And probably, if you can, Traven, put up the website for CASP as well. And CASP is the Council for Autism Service Providers. Uh, There we go. There it is. Look at how good Traven is. And isn't he fabulous? What would I do without him? Let's not find out. Okay. So we've talked about elopement. We need a little bit of a palate cleanse. Let's take a look at what our question of the day is. I don't remember what it is. So I hope it's a palette cleanse. Uh, okay, do you feel that you're on the path to success? Woo, take a second with that one. Like, what does it take? First of all, what is your definition of success? Because uh, that's important. If you don't know what you're going for, how do you know if you're on the path for it, right? And I gotta be honest. Parker, thank you for putting my email in there. I appreciate you for doing that. Um, I gotta be honest that this is a difficult question. Like what is success to you? I have a friend who says I'm successful every day that I get up and I'm breathing, (laughs) well, you know, and, and he walks around, uh, every day, looking at every day as a gift. uh, And that is in everything that he does, because he's like, why would I be upset? I'm winning. I'm alive and I'm breathing. What a great way to look at things, right? Um, there were a lot of years after my son was diagnosed with autism that I, I think I was most motivated by, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to let him down. That was a lot of what my self-talk was. And, and then there was like a given day where I was like, well, that seems very negative. Like it assumes that I could let him down. So uh, what is it that I really truly want for him and let's run towards that instead of assuming that I could let him down. And that, that was a great day because I realized what I want is for him to be a happy adult who's able to communicate his needs. Um, and he is days away from being officially legally that um, because I think he is more of adult sometimes than I am. Um, and he is a very happy soul, and and he is much more adept at communicating what he needs than I am, much better at that than I am, um, and so the only part that's left is the legal, and he's about to be that, so, but right into us, do you feel like you're on the path to success, and do you know what success looks like to you, because it's different for everybody, right, And and no judgment here, success can be whatever you want it to be, All right, let's take a look at uh, what our topic this week is because we want to get directly to Bonnie. Uh, Our topic is celebrating success. And so um, if if you know what success looks like to you, then there are opportunities every single day to celebrate success. And if I didn't know that before, and I don't think I did know that before, but this is one of the many things that autism taught me that every day there's an opportunity to celebrate something. We were literally forced by good quality ABA to celebrate even the smallest of success with our son. It was just drilled into us day and night. You gotta reinforce him, you gotta reinforce him. My, my theme song uh, became that Fat Boy Slim song, I Have to Praise Him. Um, I'm sure that Fat Boy Slim was talking about something entirely different, but I refer to it as the ABA song because I have to praise him like I should. And it became our theme song that I needed to keep telling my son, good job. A phrase that didn't come easy to me in the very beginning. I was like, that's strange. People don't do that in life, except they do. And I like being around people who say good job. Um, and so we were. it was drilled into us, celebrate everything that he can do you know, be aware of where you're going, like know that you're not there yet, but you're going there, but celebrate everything along the way. And that is a better way of living. It just is. I, I want to share with you that I, I said at the beginning of the show, I was so happy to be here with you guys this morning, because I need you this morning, because I woke up this morning, and there were things going on. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this. But sometimes I just get mad. Something will happen. It's always this time of year too. Somebody will do something or say something. And I go, ah, evidence that you don't get it. And we all have this every day, right? That somebody will do something and we go, you don't get it. You're living in your little pretty world where nobody ever had any different needs or different abilities or different questions. And it's one size fits all. And it makes me fatutsed, right? And I can be there. Boy, if I want to look for things to be angry at or be upset about, man, I can go there. And suddenly I go, yeah, and not only that, this, and this, and this, or I can be on the flip of it and I can be going, what can we celebrate today? What can I praise my son for today? What can I be thrilled about today? How can I praise myself? How, what can I get excited about today and be in that celebration mode? And it's a better way to live. That's why I wanted to be here with you because I knew I would get here if I was here with you guys, which leads me to our next guest who I've missed terribly uh, Bonnie Yates is a special education attorney. She's an amazing person. Uh, she's super smart and fun and kind and so many wonderful things that I could say about her. Uh, and she gets it. I know for sure that she gets it. And she's here to help all of us to, you know, cause we're going to meet the frustrating things in life, but to help us to get where we need to get with our kids, especially in an educational setting. She is a special education attorney. Uh, working with Tolner Law Offices and we'll let her tell you a little bit about that. But welcome back to the show, Bonnie. Hi Shannon. Hi. Hi.
0: I figured I should start the show by saying I have I have no makeup on because a two year old kid gave me pink eye.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, um, well can I tell you you look fabulous. This is you, with, you. No oh, oh, yeah, this
0: is with no makeup? Oh my heavens.
1: No makeup.
0: Um so. The best part about it, I thought, was I told my daughter I had it. She was like, oh, you better stay away from him. I was like, where do you think I got it from?
1: <laughs> That's rich. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I can't even see that you have pink eye, and you look fabulous, and we've missed you. So welcome well, thank back. You. And, you,
0: and me too, because a lot of stuff has been happening. So let, let's get to it. Um, yeah. We're from Tolner Law Offices. It's me and... Six other attorneys, like the best group of people I've ever worked with, hardworking, smart, nice, and caring. Um were very busy this year because it seems as if a lot of people last year just kind of weren't sure what to do and they just waited. Well, after a year of this, people now are um and have been for the last couple of months, been you know, in a in a mode of high anxiety because. They gotta get their kids back into school. So Shannon's put up the Toner Law Office's website. If you're in California and you want the free consultation with one of us, you can go to the website and request that. Um, I especially love, love, love talking to people from LA Unified because LA Unified is its own little interesting universe into itself. Um, On this show, we try to teach you about how you can exercise the legal rights that you have. Obviously, we have to tell you what they are first, and then we talk about how you can use them to, to move your child in, in, in the direction of success. And as as unpleasant as due process is, it has helped many, many, many students achieve their long-term goals. So it, you know, it is really a viable, um, although difficult, um option for parents, and we'd be happy to talk to you about that. Shannon sent me three questions. I knew the answer to one, but I have an answer to all three because Devin <laughs> Brothers, who's an attorney in our office, a wonderful attorney and a wonderful human being, worked for Harbor Regional Center for six years. So she just like banged out the answers for me. So I am <laughs> to those three questions, but I'm sort of exercising my, you know, my authorial uh, prerogative. There's something else that I wanna talk about first that I think is just so important. Um, Go for it. Because what we're seeing now is the result of a year of districts doing whatever they did with your kid's IEP, right? And I mean, yeah. we've had crazy situations like a case I'm doing now where the family went to LA Unified in October and the school administrator said, oh, we do not doing assessments for new kiddos. And so he's only just, yeah. So, I mean, only because I knew who to call at the top of the food chain at LA Unified did this family who, by the way, the father is a lawyer, they were just cut, you know, stuck in this like circular process where they couldn't figure out how to break through. So there were problems at that level and there were many other problems. Um, I went to a mediation and I had what I consider to be an extraordinary experience with a mediator in that she was very pro-child and she was very, I thought, um, blunt about saying what she thought about aspects of the process. And so the first thing she said was that that when the first offer came back, she said to the parents, ah, they always lowball you with the first offer, which I thought was great. Then later in the process, the parents said something I can't remember what now. And she goes, well, the districts thought that they got a free pass when COVID started, but they Mm -hmm. didn't. So that about there is no free pass. The the guidance from the state and federal government following you know March 2020 made it clear that there weren't waivers on assessments or implementation of IEPs or other things, and yet we know that that's not the way things played out. So um, I will tell you all that districts now are trying to settle cases left and right. They're trying to settle them without a filing. They want to enter into a settlement with you to wipe. Um, clean the slate from this March until, March 2020 to June 2021, because they know they have liability. So it's never going to be a better time than now. Never going to be a better time than now. So in looking at what happened to your child's IEP after March 2020, and I'm assuming you aren't somebody that was trying to get an initial assessment or had a 504 plan, I, I can address those issues privately with you as well, but this is just for people with IEPs. You know, the first question is, did they even make contact with you? Cause I have one client that got 30 minutes of speech therapy from March, 2020 to end of extended school year. And that was it. That was the extent of the contact. So did they contact you? And how hard did, did they try? The second question is, did they notwithstanding the pandemic implement your child's IEP? Because the guidance from the state and federal government is that they had to implement. Now, um, Implementation means that there there is or a failure to implement means there's a material failure in the implementation of the IEP more than a minor discrepancy. And you don't have to demonstrate educational harm. Okay. So the reason this is important is we have a lot of parents that stayed home and were their kids special education teacher. And so their kids did access the curriculum through them. This case, which I'm going to talk about, um, says that you know parents aren't special ed teachers and they're not an appropriate substitute for implementation of the IEP by trained professionals. Anyway, this decision came out April 22nd. It's Orcutt School District. I can share it later if you want. But it turns out that I was in a mediation with the same judge that wrote this amazing decision. You know, uh, two weeks later or something. So her her decision talks about um, Orcutt School District's failure to. Do proper assessments to implement the student's IEP, and then she even found that there was predetermination, which is highly unusual. We know predetermination occurs um, all the time, but you can't prove it. When I say predetermination, it means they come in with what what Judge Lucier called a "take it or leave it" offer. Okay, so. Um, The student in this particular case had a significant disability and he had great difficulty with screen time and his mom was trying to assist him and he was assaulting her. That was kind of the background. And I just want to read you a couple things from the decision and then we'll get to the three questions. But I just I just it's such a great decision. It's so clarifying on so many levels. And what it means is probably the district didn't implement your IEP during school closure, and you're probably entitled to a significant amount of comp ed. Okay, so here's an example of what she said. The school district argued that the student had access to independent educational activities online that could amount to 300 minutes per day of specialized uh, academic instruction. However, parent was not a credentialed teacher, behavior specialist, speech pathologist, school psychologist, or occupational therapist. She was not qualified to provide the special education and related services in students IEP, thus ORCID did not satisfy its legal obligation to implement students IEP. Is that clear? Okay, That
1: is uh, That is to me, I get it. If they if their expectation that the IEP was, was that they they lived up to it, and it was the parent who was delivering it, then it's, it's no. Because you weren't that's a, that's
0: a very important point for us, because we know a lot okay. of parents did exactly that. Okay. Yep. In terms in terms of the student himself, students' attention span lasted approximately ten to four and a half, ten seconds to four and a half minutes. The district's testimony that um, parent was expected to engage in students' online activities throughout the day to reach the 300 minutes meant she would have had to choose at least 67 activities each day. To prompt student through while simultaneously managing his behavior, ORCID refused to consider in-person supports from non-public agencies. ORCID's expectations for distance learning for student did not comply with state and federal laws governing the education of students with a disability. ORCID expected student's family to provide the intensive special instruction and services that it had provided previously to student due to his significant de- deficits. Um, for ESY, parent informed ORCID that student wouldn't participate in ESY, but requested in-person support. In response, Orkit sent parent several packets of worksheets, but did not provide any supports. Um, at that point, student was hurting himself and his mother on a daily basis. So that's kind of the failure to implement aspect of this case. And I'm just going to keep talking really fast because I want to tell you about. Can I
1: ask a question though, Bonnie? Because I think it's relevant in yes. this case. In the IEP, did student already have a one-on-one aid or specific support
0: in uh, the IEP he 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 did he had, okay. he, had one-on-one. SAI, he had SAI support and he had some behavior support okay okay great but they did, okay. but they didn't provide any of that cuz they 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 said they couldn't and um anyway so the next issue is really the district assessments Now i've seen some assessments out of LA Unified and some other districts in the last six weeks that have really blown my mind. <laughs> they like, I'm not that good at taking an assessment and picking apart what's wrong. I usually like to have somebody else since a psychologist give me input on that. But I can tell sitting in these meetings, like when you're looking at an IEP and they're, they're, they're taking a private assessment from 2018 to write the present levels of performance, little light has to go on. Okay, so what Orchid said about assessments is A school district's assessments must use sound and reliable measures to yield accurate data to inform the IEP team. The IEP is not a form document, it is constructed only after careful consideration of the child's present levels of achievement, disability, and potential for growth. The failure to obtain critical assessment information about a student renders the accomplishment of the ideas, goals, and the achievement of a FAPE impossible. Okay, and then it, it gets into more discussion about how the reevaluations need to be conducted. The school district said, "Well, you know, the, Cal- the U.S. Association or the California Association of Professional Psychologists said that they didn't think it was a good idea to to reassess during the pandemic." And her, the response to that was that, "Well, that's fine. It's a sympathetic position, but the U.S. Department of Education has not waived legal." Ro- uh requirements relating to triennial uh assessments during school closure. So I'm seeing like pieces of triennials or triennials skipped. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for all of that with your, your um kids' assessments. Okay. Um I'm almost I'm really trying to be done um because I know that we have other questions. So let me just wrap up here. Such good stuff though. I just can't help it. Or can, it It okay, is good stuff. Okay, we needed I this. About that. I already talked about this. So yeah, we all needed it. Okay, last issue is really predetermination. And, and I talked about that a little bit. They can't come in with either a generic distance learning plan, which is the only kind of distance learning plan I've seen. I'm sure you guys have generic distance learning plans and not individually tailored generic learning pa- plans. And they can't come into the IEP meeting saying take it or leave it. That's what the that's what the the case talks about, they talk about predetermination and why that seriously infringes on parental participation in the IEP process, which makes perfect sense. Um, and they talked about how if the distance learning plan isn't being implemented properly or the way you're implementing it isn't successful, if the district doesn't want to send private public providers into the home, they can use private providers. So those are some of the gems in this uh very brave decision um, that we got, and there should
1: be something in there for everybody. After the last year, or so. and and tell us again where this decision came from. Is, is this a California decision?
0: So the California Special Education Hearing Office decision, and I'll send it to Shannon after the program, and she can circulate it. Okay. Even even though even if you're not in California, and even if the law is slightly different, I think it's safe to say that these issues uh, occurred in all the states and it's a good way for you, like a checklist for you to go through and see what was done properly and what
1: wasn't in your own child's IEP. Absolutely, absolutely. And sets a precedent, so um, super cool. I, I think that a lot of people need to know this. Now, it doesn't tell us though, in each individual case, what you will get but you, but the assumption is, is that you will get something to help your child get caught back up, correct?
0: Our, our clients are getting compensatory education. So the way that works is we negotiate an amount of money that the parents are going to pay out for private services and the district reimburses them.
1: Okay. And, and those think, private services might be tutors. Speech, uh, might,
0: speech professional tutors of America, behaviors therapy services, social skills, or social recreational opportunities. Did I say speech? Yeah. And I mean, I think the deals are better if you file for due process, but we're doing deals without a filing and parents are still getting, you know, 15 or $20,000.
1: That's not nothing. Not nothing. Okay. So this is a reason why people should be contacting support for this, whether that's an advocate or an attorney. Obviously, if they are in Southern California, you said if, if you're an LAUSD client, um, you guys are comfortable in that arena, but you do other districts as well. You have uh, colleagues that are in Northern California and, correct me, in New Mexico as well still, or not? No, no, no.
0: We had we had an attorney in Nevada. He left. So now we're down to Arizona and California.
1: Arizona. That's the other state that I was trying to think of. Okay. And... Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you to, because they're like, ah, Bonnie gets it. And I'm in, I'm in Southern California. I'm in LAUSD. Oh, California, what's the best? California period. Okay. Oh, California, California period. period. Okay. Yeah. So if they want to get in touch
0: with you, what's the best way for them to do that? You just go to the website, you fill in the 20, the free consultation form, you request me and you know, that'll be
1: that. It'll get you okay, here. and Traven just put that up on the screen, but um for those of you who are listening in podcast, it's specialeducationcouncil.com, specialeducationcouncil.com. And for people who are not in California, you have a recommendation of where to go to look for an attorney or an advocate, Bonnie tell them.
0: Uh yeah, good remembering, Shannon God. COPA, Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, www.copa.net. Yeah, thanks, Traven Yeah, so you, can find okay, an, so you can find an attorney in your state. And, you know, most attorneys are going to give you a free consultation. That's not unusual at all. So that's a win-win situation for you. Yeah, You don't have to commit, but you can get some more information. And, you know, uh, during the last year, I had probably the same kind of feeling that you did. I had kind of a gut feeling like "Mm, this isn't right, but I don't really know how to frame the issue. It was an uncomfortable period of time, but now looking back, you know, we see what happened and we understand what the cases are worth and they're, they're worth, you know, like the October kiddo, the one that asked for an assessment in October and they just stalled him. He missed five months of education. That's not trivial. That's a good case. Okay, uh, it makes like really fast, really fast, really fast, really yeah. at breakneck speed. How much time do I have? We've got like uh, 14 minutes left. Oh, wow. I've got tons of time. Wow. Okay.
1: I'm just going Don't forget, we got three questions. So. Oh, I know.
0: I know. And I only knew the answer to one of them. Can a school district decline to provide services or an IEP if they are not the school district that is technically assigned to my address? In other words, we moved into another school district, but remained with the old one. Okay, the way this works is a little weird because sometimes you can live in one district but be affiliated with the other. There are maps of this usually online. There is a, each school district is each school district has assigned geographical boundaries. So yes, it's possible to say live in Irvine but be in the Tustin school district. So yes, they can decline if you are not physically. Um, jurisdictionally in their school district so that's that's a problem that's a problem and you don't you know you don't want to do residency games with the school district because those are dangerous and parents have gotten in trouble for that you need to ask for an iep and services in the district where you are um, unless you're on a permit or you have some other way of getting
1: services from some other district some school districts have, uh, it's literally a form that gives you a permit to be in a different district and, and they will make considerations. I know at one point we moved and wanted to stay with our aide where we were. So we had to get them to agree to the permit, um, both. Yeah, districts. I think that's not always as easy as maybe you had it be. I, oh, it was not easy. I don't even mean to make it sound like it was easy. Okay. Um, literally what it came down to, Bonnie, is that we were about to move into a hotel room because we were losing the house um, that our landlord was being foreclosed upon. It was not our decision to move. And and in order to keep the aid, we were literally notifying the school district that we were moving into a hotel room to finish out the school year. And that is when...
0: Okay, well that's different, Shannon. That's not getting yeah. an interdistrict permit. First of all, the law says you can always finish out the school year if you have an IEP. Okay, second of all okay, second of all, you are homeless. Under under the McKinney Vento Act definition of homelessness, you are homeless. And they can't kick you out if you're homeless. So if you're living in the district and you have to move in with mom and dad, or you have to rent a hotel, or you have to, you know, do any crazy thing, um, they have to continue to to provide
1: the education in, in your child's IEP. So that's that one. Okay. Well, we kept we we found places to move that were literally a block over the line, and we were asking for the permit, and they were turning mm-hmm. us down. So it was wasn't until we did this other, then they said, okay, we'll reconsider. I didn't know yeah. that's why, but thank they always you. want to. They want to know how long you're going to squawk, right? And how hard. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Two. Two, I was denied social security disability for my underage son because I have a very small 401k. Does this sound right? If so, what other resources are there to help to pay for the services he receives? Okay. Devin Brothers says, if this person is referring to social security disability insurance, that triggers in the scenario where a parent is able to collect their own Social Security benefits based on their own contributions for work, either at retirement or when they, parent, becomes disabled. At that point in time, the dependent disabled child slash adult can collect based on a portion of the parent's Social Security payment, which is calculated based on the parent's contributions over their lifetime. Um, Typically, this amount is higher than SSI and benefits to disabled child adult. I'm less familiar with all the nuances of this, but it would not make sense that the disabled child slash adult is denied SSDI if a parent is collecting their own benefits. There are formulas for this scenario and the disabled adult slash child is not collecting, in this case, based on income requirements, but rather on the contributions of the parent as their disabled dependent. The person should schedule an appointment with their social security worker and walk through the nuances, including their dependent child slash adult. Based on the above, I think this person is referring to SSI, but worth noting the distinction.
1: Okay, so that's pretty dense. I'm glad that we're recording this so they can go back over it. But the main thing is they better go back and ask more questions, correct?
0: Yeah, and I think you should have Devin come on the show because she's so awesome and she could answer everybody's regional center questions and a whole host of other things that we aren't usually focused
1: on. Let's make that happen.
0: Okay, we'll make that happen. Last question. I have a life insurance policy that will be split 25% to each of my four kids. Is it possible to have part of my autistic son's portion go into an ABLE account and how do I set that up? She says, I cannot really answer this except to say that I believe they can be set up fairly easily through the bank or a state attorney. It is my understanding that ABLE accounts have limitations in that they cap out at a certain monetary level, I believe it's 15,000. So the person should consider whether 25% of the insurance might exceed the cap before setting this up. The person may also want to consider a special needs trust, which can be set up through an estate planner attorney and would not carry the limitations on the assets put into the trust while still protecting the public benefits. Hope this helps. Kind regards, Devin Brothers, uh, attorney at law.
1: Tell her thank you. That's awesome. Uh, so hopefully that will help uh, for to answer those questions. Remarkable. So Bonnie, we, uh, my understanding is we are not going to have you next week. Um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be here the week after that because my kid is graduating so that we're going to meet back here in three weeks, which means that people have time to write in their questions uh, because we really like it. if, If we have questions ahead of time to give you So that you can get a thoughtful response from somebody else if you need to. And we want to thank Devin for doing that. Um, Or that you can, you know, like take a minute to think about something and not just reply off the cuff. You're a brilliant, extemporaneous speaker, but you like to be thoughtful about these things. And you are so thorough. Sometimes you go and look something up that like sheds new light on it for us. So um, we encourage people to write in ahead of time and give us questions that are specific right? Not, not general in nature. You can be as specific as possible about, you know, where you are and what school district and what was said and so on and so forth. Um, is there anything I'm leaving out of that? Anything no, you I don't want to give we, to
0: there's anything that you left out of that at all, except for that um, I think we're going to be sorting these issues out over the next two years. And the reason I say that is, and I guess this is a good place to end, in California, there's, you have two years to bring claims against your school district. So this started in March, 2020. You have till March, 2022 to bring claims for compensatory education against your school district. That date is going to come up sooner than you think. And you're going to get all kinds of, you know, other, uh, you know, you're going to get busy with things you haven't been doing for the last year. So if you feel like you have a good case for compensatory education, you've got a year to investigate it. I would do it now.
1: Yeah. I, and I I want to put it out there, Bonnie, that what I'm seeing, because I just noticed from the questions that I get from caregivers, I'm, I'm seeing that in this period of time where we were all in lockdown and we were all trying to figure out what to do to support parents and how to support our kids and teens and adults, um, that insurance companies and school districts were spending that time part, partially in the admin part, figuring out, how they were going to minimize the financial damage that this was going to do to them coming out of it. And they have come up with some very interesting looks on things. We're hearing people across the board being told, even though they have a qualifying diagnosis, that their child doesn't qualify for an IEP. Uh, I'm hearing that like twice a day, every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're, We're hearing insurance companies saying, oh, uh, I, I heard one yesterday that I'd never heard before, say an insurance company saying, "Oh, there is no auto pocket maximum on ABA services," uh, and and these things are not true. Um, but if they say them and people believe it, they save money. So I'm on Truth Patrol here. Um, if people, I love that this parent wrote in and said. I, you know, I got denied uh, SSI for my child. Is that right? I think we need to be asking more of those questions. Are you up for being on truth patrol?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, I mean, after doing this for a long time, I've concluded that the reason that they do it this way, whether it's insurance company, regional center, or school district, is they get away with it at least 90% of the time
1: Yep. and more like 95 Yep. Well, and... And I don't want them to get away with it. And I don't want a parent to be sitting there and saying, well, I don't know if this is right. And I don't know who to ask. Well, so we're making, you know, insurance companies are private, but we're talking about
0: public institutions by the people for the people, you know, I mean, it's your tax dollars that support your school district. So how much of a runaround do you really need or, or deserve?
1: Exactly. Zero. Uh, zero. Uh, But if we can help here, if you guys have questions to say to Bonnie, is this what this should look like? This is what they told me. Is that accurate? This is the entire reason why um, she does your rights so that you will know what your rights are to be able to support that. Let's revisit again um, how people can get a hold of you, Bonnie. Uh, Law Office's website, you fill in the the, uh,
0: initial consultation form. You request a consultation with me if you want it with me. If you don't care, they might give you to somebody else and we'll make it happen. We usually get back to you within you know 24 hours. We really try not to leave people waiting because we know that's not a very good feeling.
1: But we also want to say that you know it's you, you need to provide some information in order to be able to do that free consultation. It's what makes it more effective. Um, And and so there is some paperwork to fill out. I always like to front load that with people so that they're not surprised and go, what is this? I have to fill out paperwork. I hate paperwork, I'm allergic to it. But sometimes it's necessary for you to get the best possible experience. And there will be paperwork for you to fill out to get the free consultation. So the
0: the consultation form itself is really short. It's like a half a page. What I'm usually gonna wanna see in order to make our conversation meaningful is I'm gonna to wanna to look at your IEPs and assessments for the last couple of years. And you know, so I'll have you pull them together and send them to me. Now, I don't read those back to back for the consultation because I just don't have time in my schedule for that. But I look at them carefully so that I can sit down with you and give you input on whether or not, whether or not I think you have a case.
1: You know, that's that's, that's, yeah. that's the purpose of the consult. Absolutely. And for those people who aren't in California, um, and, and are like, wow, this is amazing. This really made clear to me that I need some legal help here. Um, let's talk about COPA one more time.
0: Well, it's www.copa.net. Most of the people who are involved in COPA have a personal experience with disability in their family. They have a national organization where they put together legal materials for for folks. We usually meet annually. It's a good group of people. I can't guarantee that you'll get a great attorney if you get an attorney off of their list in your state, but I think there's a good chance. I think they're people that are really dedicated to this line of work. And so that's a good place to start.
1: And that's C O P, as in Peter, A A, two A's at the end there, C O P A A dot net or dot org, either one will get you there. And that stands for Council of for parent, parent Advocates and Attorneys. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, a really important resource because a lot of times people just they say to me, I don't even know where to start. I, you know, um, so that's a good place to start. So, Bonnie, we're we're so glad you're back. We appreciate you taking the time to be here and giving us all this good information that we haven't had for a while. I will see you three weeks from today. Okay.
0: Yeah, I have two things to say. One, I'll send you the decision. Two, congratulations on, on Jem's
1: graduation and his life. Thank lifetime, you. And his life. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're very excited about it. It's nerve-wracking. We're down to the wire on a whole bunch of things, but the kid is going to turn 18, you know, in and, and just over a week and then graduate. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what's next, because as a parent, it's uncharted territory for me. For all parents. There we go. Uh, right. so, wow. okay, <laughs> but, uh, Bonnie, adore you. Thank you so much. Say hello to everybody at, uh, Tolner law offices and hook me up with Devin. Sounds good. I will do that. All right. Take you care. take care. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Uh, just want to say tomorrow on the show. We, yes, I had to think for a second. Tomorrow we is research on Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy allspot Jackson will be here. I believe it's Leah Hirschfeld who's going to be with us, talking about research. And we will go through in the news. And it's anything can happen when it's Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. So we're back tomorrow with all of that. Until then, uh, give your kiddos a hug for me. Bye bye.